It's a Monday mailbag. We're answering your questions about guys left off of last week's NL West farm previews, including could Jackson Merrill move to the outfield and where Kristen Robinson was in the Arizona Diamondbacks show. Let's talk about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on in to Locked on MLB Prospects, your home for all things minor league baseball. I'm your host, Lindsey Crosby, award-winning baseball writer and podcaster. Thank you for making this your first listen every single day. We're proudly part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. And today's episode's made possible by our friends at Jace Medical. Take care of yourself and your loved ones when you purchase a Jace case, giving you a personal supply of five antibiotics that treats 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. Use code LOCKEDON to get $20 off your order. That's jacemedical, J-A-S-E, medical.com. As we do every single Monday, we are doing a Monday mailbag. All of these questions come from listeners of the show. If you have a question for us, I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. Show's on Twitter at Locked On Farm. We have a Discord. We have an email. We have a subtext. All in the episode description. All in the show notes. Most of these questions, the first two segments of questions, are about guys that we didn't talk about in their respective farm system previews. One of the first questions, and one of the significant ones we got, was where Christian Robinson, the outfielder, fits into the Arizona Diamondbacks system. And a little bit of a longer conversation that we couldn't fit into that show. But the backstory here for Christian Robinson... One point in time was a top 100 prospect signed, I believe it was the 2017 IFA class for two and a half million dollars. What happened was he was arrested in April of 2020 for an altercation with law enforcement. And I don't remember the exact specifics around what happens, but he was accused of assault of a uh, police officer. He eventually pled guilty to that at age 19 and as part of a plea deal, it was reduced from a felony to a misdemeanor, but he was given 18 months of probation. And because of the way that the legal status works with some of these players who come from overseas, because he was under probation, he was legally not allowed to get a work visa. He could not renew his work visa during that 18-month probation. And because of the timing of when everything happened, it that that 18-month period didn't end until the beginning of 2023. And so, Kristen Robinson didn't officially play in the minors for three years. And last year, at age 22, he got into, I'm sorry, 65 games between rookie ball, single-A, high-A, and then eventually in double-A. He batted 283, 382, 532. 14 home runs, 26 extra base hits. 29 walks to 86 strikeouts and 23 of 30 on stolen bases. There was some conversation, some questions about, hey, the stat line's really good. What's going to become of Christian Robinson and, and where is he? There's a couple things that, yes, the stat line is good, but when you dig into some of the numbers, there's some worrying aspects about the performance of Christian Robinson. The first thing is... He had a contact rate, an overall contact rate of under 60%. 
If you look at all minor league players that got 250 or more at-bats last year, that is bottom 15. Not 15th percentile, bottom 15. Like, it's him and 14 other players who had contact rates that low. He struck out 31% of the time. And then when you look at swing and miss and things like that, he had in-zone swing and miss of 34, 34%. So his zone contact was 66%. And so this is something where a bulk of his stats last year came in single A Vazelia. 43 of his 65 games were in single A. And you're in this situation of developmentally, he is pretty much where he was when he last got a chance to play an affiliated ball in 2019, right? Like he spent the last half of that year in single A Kane County back when they had a low A uh, Hillsborough team and all of that. But he's also in the scenario of he's 22 years old. He was rule five eligible and no one took him. And he only has one option left because he had to get put on the 40-man roster and then he was optioned down before they eventually DFA'd him. And it's entirely possible that Christian Robinson still becomes a major leaguer. But the likelihood, given how poor that contact rate was, the likelihood is pretty low, barring some sort of significant jump from year to year in his ability to make contact. The power was good. The defense was fine. I mean, he was rusty, obviously. But... Unless a lot of that contact issue comes back to rust, you're in a scenario where he's now going to be, uh, he's obviously lost multiple years of development and he's significantly behind. So uh, it's, he's there. I didn't have time to go into all of this in the show. Uh, he'll, I mean, there's no reason for them to, to trade him. Obviously, like I said, no one took him in the Rule 5 draft, even the minor league portion. And so he's going to continue in the Diamondback system until he reaches minor league free agency, and then we'll see what happens to Chris and Robinson. I uh, had a question about Jackson Merrill of the San Diego Padres. Is it possible that he moves to the outfield? And given the fact that they think his bat is going to be ready uh, this season for major league time, it's entirely likely that he is uh, that he ends up moving to the outfield. Now, if you're moving him to the outfield, his arm is good enough to play right field, but at the major league level, you have Fernando Tatis Jr. So what you would be smart to do would be to move Jackson Merrill to left field. And we don't have footage or video of him playing the outfield. So what I did is I went back and I watched some of his defensive stuff and his stolen bases. I wanted to see what his speed looked like. And a lot of the the common a lot of the common scouting reports out there whether it's baseball america MLB pipeline different places like that have him as either a 50 or a 55 on both defense and his arm and his speed is a 50 and i think i agree it's it's average speed right like as far as the actual time down the line or whatever but it plays up a bit because he has a really good first step and he has good instincts and I, just for fun, I went back to find the scouting report of another Padres shortstop that they moved to the outfield in Fernando Tatis Jr. And in 2018, 
Uh, Baseball America said in there, the quote here is, average runner whose speed plays up. And they talked about the instincts, the first step, and things like that. I'm not saying Jackson Merrill is going to become Fernando Tatis Jr. I do think that one of the big differences in the outfield outlooks for these two guys is Fernando Tatis Jr. has an absolute cannon of an arm that is very dialed in, whereas Jackson Merrill is above average arm, but not in the same stratosphere as Fernando Tatis. I think he could get by in right field if Tatis wasn't at the major league level, but moving Merrill to left makes sense as far as find a way to get his bat into the lineup, and I think he'll be fine at it. I don't know when you make that move as far as, one, do you have him start working on it next season? Do you have him work on it in the offseason? Do you wait until he's about ready to get called up and then start doing it in AAA? I don't quite know exactly when it is that you do it. And I do think it's possible that if everything goes right, second half of the year, you might see him in the major league level playing left field. And you might see Jacob Marcy playing center. Who knows? Uh, Like I said in that second segment, I think that uh, both Marcy and Merrill could be up second half of the year next year if the Padres are happy with where they are. In just a minute. Couple other guys, a Rockies, a Giant, and a Dodgers guy we didn't talk about. We'll get to them next, right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. The NFL season has wrapped up, but there is still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Tonight is the College Football National Championship. So if you're watching, if you're an everydayer, Happy that you're here. You can go in there and watch probably the last non-SEC championship game we've had in quite a while uh, and make your bet there, or you can wait until the NFL postseason starts. Either way, you just make one $5 bet, and win or lose, you get $150 in bonus bets. So whether it's college football, whether it's professional football, either way, you can go in, place any $5 bet, on any team to win, and you can turn around and get 150 bucks for 150 bucks in bonus bets for any new customer. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to make that first bet with FanDuel, an official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. Okay, a couple other guys that we didn't get to last week in their farm system previews. Infielder Dean Jorge of the Colorado Rockies. As we do, I'm probably saying that name wrong. If I am, let me know. We'll get your money back to you. So 70 games last year between rookie ball and A ball. He was an international free agent. So he came stateside last year for the first time. Batted 306, 375, 421. Three home runs, 22 extra base hits, 32 walks to 47 strikeouts. Again, in 70 games for Deion Jorge and 19 to 21 on stolen bases. He played... Shortstop 59 times. He played second base 11 times and he DH'd twice. And the thing to know about here for Dan Jorge is he, his outlook now is almost entirely dependent on the physical development that is coming. So he's 6'3, 170. And when you look at him, he looks like he's 6'3, 170, right? He is tall and skinny. So there's obviously room to add strength. But you need that strength because the contact skills are good, but the power isn't there. So the contact rate last year, 80%. I mean, you feel really good about his ability to put a bat on a ball and make quality contact. Uh, But 
His average exit velocity last year was 82 miles an hour, and his 90th percentile exit velocity was only 99. And then additionally, playing 49 games in single-A Fresno, he hit a grand total of zero home runs. All three of those homers came in complex play, complex league play. And so it's something where if he can get the power to be even 40 or 45 grade, right? You're looking at a guy who could be a second base, probably an above average defender at second. Uh, The arm is above average. I think from a defensive perspective, he could play third base, but obviously he's going to be very atypical as far as the power profile and the, how he fits on your roster as a third baseman. Because again, those corner spots, third base, left field, those are usually guys you want power output from. And he's not giving you that. I'm Again, I think one of the big differentiators here is going to be how much power can he add? Can he get 240, 245? If he can give you 15 home runs a season, he becomes a lot more valuable as a major league option. Obviously, he's a much better real life player than a fantasy player. I've seen prospect lists for real life baseball that have him in the top 10. And I've seen fantasy ones that have him on the back half of the top 20. It's all down to power production, things like that. I think when I was responding to the YouTube comment, I said his his future could be like a baby Luis Arise. I could see something like that. Again, not a comp. We don't do comps, but a stylistic thing of his game. Not as pure of a contact guy as Luis Arise, but a similar second base, probably a little bit better defender, a little bit lower contact, a little bit better power. So that's a profile there. Had somebody ask about San Francisco Giants outfielder Vaughn Brown. And one of the most, I'm not going to say polarizing, but one of the biggest movers up and down in the prospect list over the last couple seasons. In 2022, he had an absolutely phenomenal year, right? 103 games, single A, high A, double A. Most of that was in single and high A. In those 103 games, 346, 437, 623 for Vaughn Brown. 23 home runs, 54 extra base hits, 47 walks to 119 strikeouts, and 44 of 50 on stolen bases. Amazing year in 2022, right? A lot of places put him in the top 10 prospects for the system. Really got um, a lot of attention. Had a little bit of injury concerns, but still got 100 games in between those levels. Uh, it's something where it's a 70 speed, probably a 50 to 55 arm. So like you can see him playing all three outfield positions and the power is believed to be around above average or so. And obviously a 623 slug is absolutely stupid. He had an extra base hit every other game. 2023 didn't go nearly as well for Vaughn Brown. 59 games, single A, high A, double A. Most of these were in double A, Okay. 242, 311, 441. Nine home runs, 25 extra base hits, 17 walks to 88 strikeouts in 59 games for Vaughn Brown, 20 to 20 on stolen bases. So a lot of issues here, one of which obviously missed a lot of time with injury. Another one is at the plate, a lot of swing and miss issues. The swing itself is very static. And by static, I mean he doesn't, it feels like Von Brown doesn't have a ton of adjustment mid-swing. 
this is in the strike. This is where he's swinging in the strike zone. And if the ball is above or below that, if it moves or breaks or anything, he's just going to miss it. And so you see him struggle with fastballs up in the zone because he's in that heart of the plate kind of groove there. You see him miss breaking stuff off the plate, soft stuff down. A lot of those different pitches that can start as a strike and go out of the zone, he's going to end up chasing it because he's looking in the sweet spot right there in the zone and he doesn't necessarily have the barrel control to move everything around. Now, I don't know how much of those struggles last year came from trying to play through injury or trying to come back from the injury versus versus just struggling with the adjustment to double A, right? Because that is the hardest level of the minors to advance to. Out, and then the hardest adjustment is into the majors, but the second hardest adjustment is into double A. So not sure what's going to happen. 2024 is a big year for Vaughn Brown. We need him to be healthy. We need to show better ability to make contact and be able to just stay on the field, really was asked about the Dodgers, one of their big international free agents from last year's group, they signed him in late August, was pitcher Hyung Sok Yang out of Korea. So, signed up for $900,000 in late August after he graduated from high school. He was set to be the, projected to be the number one overall pick in the KBO draft in September. So, they got him just before that. 6'4", 200, and... His senior year stats are absurd, and the stuff that he throws is absurd. So in his senior year of high school, mind you, even more of an adjustment needed than when we talk about college numbers, right? 3-0 with a 0.33 ERA for Hunsuk Yang, 27 and a third innings, 49 strikeouts. The stuff that he throws, so he has a fastball, sits in the upper 90s, he can touch 98 with it, he's got a slider that's very much a power slider profile. Combines it with a curveball, a changeup, a recently added sweeper from what I was reading, and then just a guy that throws a lot of strikes. We haven't seen him in affiliated ball. Obviously, he's going to be 19 years old. He does not have to do the the year of required military service from all uh, post-high school Korean men because his team at the World Games won the gold medal, so the athletes are exempted from that. So his debut will not be delayed to 2025. He will be able to debut with the Dodgers in 2024. We just don't necessarily know where. So without having seen him pitch in affiliated baseball and like really only just having a couple online highlight videos, really wasn't comfortable diving into him or naming him a dart throw or anything like that. But just another example of the Dodgers making a big push from a scouting perspective, from a marketing perspective, everything that they're doing out not only in Japan now, but in Korea as well, trying to grow the international presence and the brand of the Los Angeles Dodgers. In just a minute, a couple questions, not about players from last week, about college pitchers after the first round that might be on a fast track to the majors, and if there's some caveats behind late season minor league performance. We'll talk about those next right here on Locked on MLB Prospects. But first, today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Jace Medical. Uh, According to the FDA, there are different shortages of different medications at different times in the last couple years, right? Could be an antibiotic like amoxicillin as we're in the middle of flu season. Obviously, things like that aren't necessarily uh, the best thing for your peace of mind. 
That's why Jace Medical is so cool, okay? The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics. And with those five antibiotics, you can treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, respiratory infections, skin infections, sinusitis. That kind of stuff can happen to any of us. So not just if you're a traveler or you're a backpacker or whatever it is, but just for peace of mind, you can go to jacemedical.com, complete your physician encounter. It gets reviewed by a board-certified physician, and then your medication is prescribed, dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the, of the regular cost, and mailed straight to you. So, go to jacemedical.com, use offer code Locked On to get $20 off your order. That's jacemedical.com, J-A-S-E-Medical.com. Okay, final segment of Locked and Prospects here, and a couple questions here. One was about college pitchers, maybe outside the first round, where we stand now, there's a lot to change on the board between now and July, who could potentially be on a fast track to the majors. So I looked into some of the boards, grabbed a couple guys I thought were really interesting to talk about. The first one, Ryan Fercucci, the right-handed pitcher out of UC San Diego, so Cal San Diego. Uh, 6'3", 205. And part of the reason why I think he could be a fast mover is just how unique his pitches are. So he throws a fastball that not only gets really, really good numbers up in the zone, right? Like 20 inches of induced vertical break. He's hitting a lot of the guys we talk about who have good fastballs on this show. We're talking about 14 inches, 16 inches, 18, 20 inches of induced vertical break. But to go along with that, it also commonly has around nine inches of arm side run. It's one of those rare fastballs that has both elite four seam carry up in the zone and really good two seam movement. It's just, I've heard the words unicorn talked about with this fastball. And so you have that he has a, a, a slider that it's a kind of a, it feels like more of a power slider look to me. And then he has a changeup that he doesn't throw it a ton, but when he throws it, it is absolutely beautiful as far as the, the tunnel that it's in, the arm speed matches, the release point matches, and then it just absolutely goes away right before it gets to the plate. Super late action to it. And the fastball, the changeup, the polish on both of those, and then how the slider complements everything else. He throws them all for strikes. It's something where if he has a good season this year, I could see him being a guy, he's got three pitches, they're really good, he knows how to use them, he throws them really well, he could move through the minors relatively quickly. Last year, 4-1 4-1 with a 3.86 ERA in 53 and two-thirds innings. This is Ryan Fercucci here. Very nice 69 strikeouts, 11.6 per nine, to 21 walks, 3.5 per nine, and six home runs allowed. So the numbers are not so ridiculously absurd that he's like a no-doubt first-round pick, but the stuff is really good, and he absolutely with even just repeating that year that he had or you know incrementally better could really easily be a top of the second round pick and a guy that should be able to move rather quickly. Uh two more real quick. Uh sticking out west, 
Uh, right-hand pitcher Matt Ager out of UC Santa Barbara. Uh, another good frame, 6'5", 210. Uh, he has a fastball, sits around, I, I think he can touch around 96 or so, some of what I was seeing on that. Has a, it, it's really good up in the zone, another pitch, really good spin, good carry. And then sweeper sits in the low to mid 80s. Does He feels like he's pretty good at landing both the sweeper, uh, so whether it's lefties or righties as well as a vertical breaking curveball and doesn't doesn't have has a lot of the major directions covered he does have some arm side run to the fastball so you've got that but all the major directions covered vertical break sweeper the fastball that goes up with some run a lot of good stuff there another situation where he has a good year can get into the minors has three pitches he throws them all pretty well looks like he's going to fit as a starter pretty well you can see him move quickly the third guy, left-hand pitcher Carter Holton out of Vandy. Had to stand up for my lefties here. I've, I've been a big fan of Carter Holton. When you get him on one of the machines and you watch what he does on a track, man, it's really good. Now, the frame isn't as big as most of these guys. He's listed at 5'11", 195. And in some ways, that kind of helps because it's that low vertical approach angle that we've talked about, right? So fastball, he can run it up to 95. It usually sits in the low 90s. Really, again, really good up in the zone, pure kind of four-seam movement. What I like about it is not only does it move well up in the zone, but he hides it really well. It's just it's it's hidden behind his head. And so it's hard to pick it up right out of the hand when he pitches and helps gives it some deception and makes it play up a little bit because your reaction time's a little bit slower. Has a power curveball in the low 80s. Really good depth to it. Really like that one-two punch. I think the differentiator for him to be able to move quickly when he gets into the minors is figuring out the cutter and or the changeup. The cutter gives him a good bridge between the fastball velocity and the uh, curveball velocity. Whereas the changeup is something as a lefty, you need that pitch that can move away from a righty and give you that look. It's a pitch every lefty needs to have a good changeup, and I think his needs a little bit more work. But if you see those pitches uh, tweak a bit, I think he's probably not going to get into the first round because of that stigma behind the frames and how you need to have those super big guys. But a guy who's going to go out there, take the ball a ton, going to compete, and again, has some really good pitches. He's produced everywhere he's been. So feel good about him. Another question, and I really liked getting this email from Michael. He talked about being new to the show and really enjoying the in-depth look at the prospects. And hey, thank you, Michael. That's what we're here to do. And he said that he's noticed a trend, and this came up most recently with Mick Abel, is I like to talk about guys who kind of figure something out, right? That end of the year, they have that stretch where things click. And he asked, isn't it possible that a lot of those late season games are being played by guys who have been called up from a lower level because of call-ups and or having to make room in the lower minors for newly drafted players? And so what are the chances that those games are being played by actual prospects versus organizational filler or guys that belong at a lower level? And I do think that there is some sort of concern about the competition level at certain points of the year and after one after the trade deadline and then two after the draft and all of those guys have started playing if they're going to play 
there is a valid concern about the competition level that you face. And so for me, I tend, I, I try to not put too much stock into any one performance. Uh, and for me, like in the McAble situation, it was five games against four different opponents. And so getting that variety of opponents to me is one of those situations where you naturally give yourselves the ability to filter out some of the signal from the noise, right? If it was, yeah, Mick Abel's last outing against, let's say, the AA affiliate of the Chicago White Sox, the Birmingham Barons, who were dreadful last year. If he goes out and throws six no-hit innings against the Birmingham Barons, and that's what we're trying to talk about as far as him maybe having figured it out, it's too small of a sample size and way too contingent on, or in this case, way too, it's too much of that outcome comes down to the lack of skill of the opposing squad versus him. Whereas you look at five starts against four different teams, you have a good variety of different opponents so that hopefully you have a representative enough sample size where you can feel like it is statistically significant. So there is some risk there. And I try to, when I'm looking at those streaks or I'm looking at those statistical groupings, I'm trying to... I haven't run all of the numbers, but I'm trying to make sure that I feel like it's a statistically significant sample before I bring it up. But there absolutely is concern. So when somebody tells you, hey, this guy figured it out, look at this one start, it's hard to take that and say, okay, yeah, he's definitely figured it out. But if he can do it for a month against five, four or five different opponents, you feel a little bit better that the majority of the improvement that you're seeing is legitimate improvement from that player versus a lack of skill from the opponents. Fantastic week this week. We're hopping into the NL West, doing the previews for that. So stay tuned. Again, six days a week from now to spring training. So uh, make sure if you're on audio, leave us a review. Find us wherever you get your podcast apps. If you're on YouTube, do us a favor, like the video, subscribe to the channel. Really helps us out a ton. Until next time, remember, it's always a great time to pay a minor leaguer. 